This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. It just genuinely scares me, but I really don't believe that it can replace people. I think we have to start to adapt it because I think honestly if we don't then other people will probably move a bit further ahead of us because they'll be so much quicker than we are but I do think that we are putting ourselves in a sticky situation if we start to rely on it so heavily that we're not even coming up with our own ideas anymore. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. This episode is such a wonderful episode. I interviewed my friend Jade Beeson, and you might know her from the Creator Projects podcast, or she just posts a lot of creator and social media tips on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, so you might have seen her on there. So she's incredible. She has the best creator tips that's realistic and not... You know, those people that are like, you have to post five times a day, every single day. If you're not doing that, then you're never going to grow. That's not her vibe. Her vibe is very similar to mine when we're like, okay, let's talk about realistic ways to grow on social media that you're actually going to stick to. So I'm very excited for you to hear this podcast with her. And it was just a fun chat. Like, don't think that this is one of those structured episodes where I'm just rattling off a list of questions. We honestly just had a fun conversation. We ended up talking first about like the original social media. The theme of this podcast is like, are we old? Because starting from the first question to the last question, it was just like that existential question that's like, are we out of touch with the newer generation? But we also gave a lot of social media tips and just chatted about the landscape of being a creator, which I know so many of you guys are creators yourself or you want to get into it. So this is definitely the episode for you. And then we ended the conversation with talking about AI and like the future of social media and going back to that question, if are we old? So we'll have a follow up conversation about this in like five years to see if our predictions came true for what we talked about today. But it was such a lovely episode. So I know that you guys are going to absolutely love it. And if you are listening, please be sure to screenshot this and share it on your stories. This was such a fun conversation. So without further ado, let's welcome Jade to the podcast. Hello, Jade. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. I'm so excited. We just recorded for Jade's podcast. So I will link that down below or in the show notes. That's my YouTube speech coming out. When I say I'm going to link it down below, that's, that's yeah. a YouTube. <laughs> I do the same thing. Head. And then sometimes I'm like, link in bio. And I'm like, no, wrong, wrong platform. <laughs> yep, yep. In the show notes. Got it. <laughs> but I'm very excited for this because I love talking all things social media. And you are a social media expert. So I wanted to actually actually start by asking you, when did you first start using social media? Like whether you were just a consumer, you know, just like scrolling on your own, but what was your first platform that you used? Oh my God, I absolutely love this question. However, it is going to massively show my age because I don't think a lot of the people listening will even know the social media channels that I'm about to mention. So my first experience was, was with a channel called Pixo. Have you ever heard of it? 
No. When was that? When- <laughs> it was a long time ago. Well, I okay, so I'm 30. So this would have been, I mean, it was when I was like 13. So it was a while ago. <laughs> and basically okay. it was a website where you were able to build your own website and then you had like comment boxes and you could put photos on it. But it was really good because you had to learn like basic coding in order to build it. So a lot of people my age who had that website, like we actually have a really firm grasp on coding just because of that experience. So that was my first experience. And then I I guess it was like Bebo and MySpace. I told you it's going to show my age, but that was like (laughs) my first experience with social media. And it honestly didn't improve for a while. That was all I had for quite a few years. I was on MySpace, so I'm 27, so not that okay. much, not that much younger. So we're like the same generation. Yeah. But I also remember on MySpace you could code the yeah. background and like the music and mm-hmm. and the image in your background, and so I had experience with that too. But MySpace was so fun because it was the first time I would post just for fun, like be like, I'm going to school today, or like this is yeah. <laughs> what I'm doing or posting captions for my profile photos. And I just remember like the MySpace top five or top end, oh my like, friends, like the drama that would ensue. Oh, absolute carnage. When you think back to it, if that existed now, friendships would be ruined. It was absolute carnage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I'm honestly glad though, that we didn't grow up in an age where like high school, middle school was consumed with social media because I don't know what it would be like today with all yeah. of the different social medias out there. Yeah. And I have a few friends who have younger siblings. And I remember when they were at school and they were growing up with Instagram, I used to feel really almost not bad for them, but almost a little bit concerned. Because if you think about what life was like when you was at school and you're you're young and you're growing up and you're getting in arguments and just like some people like people, some people are mean, people are bullying. And then imagine how much that would be accelerated if mm-hmm. you had Instagram at the time. Like the biggest thing that we kind of had was MSN. Were you on MSN? Yes. Yes, I yeah. was. And for anyone who's too young to know what that is, it's just like instant messaging. But even with that, the drama was wild. So I just can't even imagine what it would have been like if we grew up with Instagram or even being at school with like a phone that had the capability to log into Instagram and take photos and videos. Like we barely even had that, you know? (laughs) I know. And I know this also makes me sound old, but I remember when we were in school, like you weren't allowed to use your cell phone. Like that was like, you got caught using your phone taken away. And I'm like, is that still a thing? Like, I was just about to ask you, like, are people allowed to use their phone in school? I mean, they probably are. But do you ever think about the fact that like, now people go to school and have laptops? Because that blows my mind. (laughs) Yeah, like everything for us was pen and paper. Like, yeah, literally. There was no laptops. You could go to the library and like get the computer, you know, rent one there or just use Mm. the desktop there. But yeah, it's just such a different world. And it's funny because now these younger kids, they're wanting to be influencers. They're wanting to be content creators. And Mm -hmm. they're doing like get ready with me's for their like ninth grade first day of school. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's crazy that they're growing up with this being their inspiration. Because I know I talked about when I was on your podcast, but I started Mm -hmm. when I was 15. So I actually did start in high school, but it was weird. Like it was not cool. It was very strange. And 
it wasn't something that anyone knew would be a job. Like I was doing mm. it purely for fun. And it's so strange seeing people now that are so young being like, oh, that's what I want to do as a career. Yeah. I read a stat recently. I wish I could remember the exact number, but it was basically saying that most young people want to be influencers or content creators. Like it's the most popular career at the moment, which, yeah, yep. again, considering that it literally did not exist when we were younger really does blow my mind. Yeah, it's really crazy. So since you also help a lot of, you know, creators out and you're constantly giving tips for creators, mm. do you see that there's a lot of younger people that are, you know, consuming your content and asking you questions? Or do you think that it's a lot more like older people or people our age even? I'm not going to call us old, but you know, <laughs> that didn't grow up with it necessarily that are looking to grow. Yeah, it's such an interesting question. It's definitely a mix. Majority of my audience are our age. So they're either like older Gen Z or they're millennials. And I think a big reason for that is because all of my content is like educational content and I'm helping people with stuff, I tend to find that it's this generation, our generation, who see influencing and content creation as a great career path. Or maybe they see the power in social media to help them grow their business or their brand. But also have some challenges with it. Because again, we grew up with phones that couldn't film video. And now we're being told that video is the most important medium that we need to be sharing. So for us, there's sometimes a bit of friction there. And sometimes it takes a little bit of coaching or a little bit of educational content to get us to a place where we feel a bit more comfortable. So I find that's probably why majority of my audience are that age. But I will say that I have had quite a few like really young people DM me saying that they want to become content creators. And I've actually had conversations with people being like, I think we should just focus on school because they're like 13. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, hey, I want to be a content creator. Like, what do I do? And I'm like, oh, you know, I think it's great as a hobby for sure. But like also there's other things you might want to do. And it's always such an awkward conversation, but it sometimes it worries me a bit. <laughs> Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. 
Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. What do you tell people that are looking to, you know, start right away or start and like just start from scratch? Because I know that for a lot of people, sometimes it's an accidental growth. Like sometimes mm. it's like you start and then you see, oh, wait, this could actually be something. Let me continue this. And that's how it was for me. Like I can't imagine being like, I'm going to start an Instagram account from scratch and work my way up so that it can be, you know, a business on its own. But people mm. are doing that today. And I mean, I guess I, I've done that with like my business accounts and things like that. But like for my mm. personal account, everything has been with me for the past decade plus. So what advice do you give people that are coming to you from scratch and they're like, I want to grow? Because I think it's so hard nowadays. It really is. And I guess my advice differs depending on like which platform they're focusing on. And if they say all of them, then that's immediately like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Let's try and focus on one or at maximum two, because at the end of the day, it is so difficult to grow on every platform now, but especially when you're trying to do it from scratch simultaneously across all of them. And I find the thing that I normally need to have a conversation about early on is the fact that nowadays in order to grow, you actually have to spend quite a lot of time understanding the platforms and like how they work. You actually need to have a strategy set up so you understand who your audience are and how you're going to speak to them. So being sure that your niche or who your audience are are all interested in something that you really care about is super important. However, now you have to pair that with a strategy and with like a bit of a business hat on. And it kind of makes it less exciting when I explain it that way, which is totally fine because, you know, it's not always going to be the most exciting thing in the world. And sometimes at the end of that initial conversation, like if we're just sending DMs or something, sometimes people decide that actually maybe it's not for them anymore because they're just like, oh, I, I thought 
it would be easier. I hear the word easy quite often. And nowadays, it's still very much possible, but in no way is it easy. Mm, Yeah. And I like that you say that it's possible, but it's not easy Mm. because one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say that social media is oversaturated, so they're just not going to start because it's such a new industry. I mean, mm. I'm going to call us young. We are young. And <laughs> we it was, are young. <laughs> and it was not a thing when we were growing up. So that means that it is a very, very new industry. And so how could we only be like 10 years into this, let's say, and it already be oversaturated? Like that's oh crazy God, yeah. to me. How do you explain to people that it's still a good time to start and it's not oversaturated? You just need to stand out. Yeah, I think the first thing that I try to identify is like where that's coming from, because we hear it from other people, but some of us hear someone say that and then we really take it on board. And then some of us are like, no, it's not oversaturated and they kind of keep it moving. So if we do take that information on board and start to believe that it's oversaturated, usually the reason why we believe that is a little bit deeper. So sometimes it's because we are putting up a block so that we don't have to do something that we feel uncomfortable doing because starting our our journey as content creators, you know, sharing our first video, doing all that kind of stuff is scary. It's nerve wracking. And us as humans, we like to avoid feeling that way. So if we can come up with a reason to kind of stay in our comfort zone and not push ourselves out there, then we'll do that. So sometimes we cling on to this idea of oversaturation because it makes us feel better about deciding not to proceed with what we actually want to do, right? So I normally try and figure out like, what's the rationale there? Like, why is that something that you're taking on board? And then A lot of the time when we kind of dive into that a little bit deeper and we talk about things like how do you stand out and that kind of thing, I completely agree with your point. This is still a very new industry. So there is opportunity for everyone. And sometimes we're coming from it from a bit of a scarcity mindset where we think there's only enough opportunities for a handful of people. There can only be a thousand content creators in the world who create content about interior design. There's no room for anyone else. And it's like, who's making up these rules, right? So in terms of like how you can actually stand out, I always encourage people to focus on what makes them unique. And we all have a similar answer. And it's just quite literally us and our personality. And it sounds so corny, because it sounds like an after school special or something. But it's true. It is literally the thing that we are born with, that is automatically going to make us different from every single person. So it's about encouraging people to feel as comfortable as they possibly can sharing their true self and their true personality. It's not about sharing every aspect of your life. It's just sharing about your personality and how you show up, encouraging people to do that as much as they can, because that alone will help you stand out. There are other like more tactical Mm -hmm. things you can do, but that is by far the most effective thing. I completely agree. And I think every year there's someone new that blows up on social media. There's someone new Mm. that's kind of like the it girl or the, you know, oh my God, overnight success. I feel like this year, I don't know if you follow like Jake Shane. Do you know who he is? The Yeah, I do. I've heard his name. It's like Octopus Lover 08. It's his username. I think I do. I feel like I need to go look this up afterwards. So I'm like, am I confusing him with someone else? <laughs> he does a lot of the skits that's like react to like when Coke found out that there was like a Diet Coke or something like that. Oh, like just God. like, yes, no, I know exactly who you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm on board. So, I get it. <laughs> very funny. He like blew up this year. His videos are the most random. I've never seen anyone else film the type of content he makes. And you can tell that he is just like that with his friends. And like, that's just like the type of conversations he has like with his friends and he decided Mm. to film it. And then now he's literally everywhere or like 
Alex Earl with her Get Ready With Me's. You know, oh gosh, she was, yeah. she was just filming a Get Ready With Me, but she wasn't sugarcoating anything. She was talking about her acne. She was talking about her going out and getting drunk, whether you condone that or not. <laughs> it was very just like herself, I feel like. Mm. And now you see a lot of people kind of copying people that have blown up or trying to recreate it because they think, oh, if it worked for her, if it worked for him, then let me try to replicate that. And I think mm. social media and entrepreneurship as well are one of the few industries that there's no roadmap. Like you can't mm. just look at someone and be like, okay, I'm just going to copy paste and it's going to work for me because mm. there's a reason why they blew up. It's because they were the first ones to really like show off that specific personality because it was just them being themselves. And so yeah. I always try to tell people that when they say, one, it's oversaturated. I'm like, every year there's a new person that blows up. And if you started last year, that could have been you. You never know mm -hmm. that, you know? Or maybe you wouldn't have blown up, but you would have gained 5,000 followers and like a small audience if you would have started when you really wanted to. Also, every year, the person that blows up is so unique from the last. There's no... Yeah replicas and so I always try to tell people that because I hear that all the time too is that yeah. it's oversaturated no one wants to hear what I have to say like I don't know what makes me special and like I'll even tell people like okay what makes you special what job do you do where do you live like oh you live in a small town make content about that people are curious other people that don't live mm. in a small town are curious or people that do find that relatable you know I, I just think that there's always something that like makes someone stand out yeah, for sure. And you know what? I have this conversation really, really frequently with people when they say to me, like, I don't know what to put on my stories, on my Instagram stories. They're like, my life is boring. No one cares. And then I always say to them, like, when you're looking at other people's stories, like think of that one creator whose stories you always look at. What are they actually doing in their stories? And they'll be like, you know, they're going for a walk or like they're making their coffee and they're just like sharing what they're watching. And I'm like, that's exactly what you do too. Like we have this thing in our head that we have to either as you said, be someone who has already seen success or be like this outlandish, over-exaggerated version of ourselves in order to be interesting. While simultaneously, the people who we watch the most have very similar lives to us. They might live somewhere else. They might have a different job. But the overall kind of day-to-day -day things that they do are often super, super similar. And also, we underestimate how much people love to like immerse themselves in other people's lives that might be based in a different location or might have something slightly different. Like I do it all the time. I love watching vlogs of people who don't live in London just because it feels like I'm experiencing what their life is like in another country, you know, and they might not be doing anything, probably just going for a walk and having a chat and I absolutely live for it. So yeah, I just completely, completely agree. And I always think like, because someone actually said to me recently, they said podcasting was oversaturated, which I think is even a wilder statement than like influencing because I'm like really and I just said like who's making these rules like who decided is there someone out there who's like no we have reached 10,000 people and that is too many <laughs> like who's deciding <laughs> yeah I totally agree I think it's because like you said they're scared like they're scared to start and so that's kind of like a good excuse in a way yeah. and it's like well I'm not starting because of that reason not because I'm scared but because yeah. it's it's oversaturated. And I think obviously compared to 10 years ago, yeah, there's a lot more podcasts. There's mm -hmm. a lot more, you know, YouTubers or TikTokers or whatever. But also 10 years ago, there wasn't that many people consuming that content either. So the market has just expanded in general. Mm -hmm. Like now everyone watches something on social media. They're watching mm -hmm. my mom scrolls through reels, you know, on Instagram and like 
her generation is definitely one that would adopt it like last, I would say. And like even she is scrolling through them. So I feel like the market has just expanded so much. And I think now with short form content, there's Mm -hmm. so much more time in the day for us to consume so many more creators. Like on YouTube, you have to go on YouTube, find the person that you want to watch, click on them, and then watch that 20 minute video versus Mm. on TikTok, you're being fed content. And it's could be like five seconds to a minute, really, like Mm. realistically, like it's, there's not that much like long form content on TikTok yet. So the amount of creators you can watch in an hour span on YouTube compared to TikTok is crazy. And so I feel like now there's just more room for people because Mm. there's we're consuming so much more content every single day. And I'm sure if you look at data on like screen time, it has gone up so much in the past few years. I know for oh me, gosh, yeah, yeah, my screen time's embarrassing. Like I'm, like, I'm like, this is actually a problem. I need to not be on TikTok for this long. But yeah. I'm always like, it's my job, though. <laughs> if someone sees it, I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is my job. <laughs> That's what I say, too. And then I'm like, well, did I really have to scroll for like an hour before bed? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, probably not. So I do think that it's just an excuse that people say. And also, you just see it more now, but mm. that's just the world we live in where like you're going to see it more and you're going to continue to see it more because the market is like constantly expanding. Yeah. And I think the new platforms like TikTok, for example, it's allowed just everyday people like you don't have to have a camera. You don't need to have editing software. You mm. don't need to have any professional course or anything to start it. It's just you and your phone that you do every single day. And it's given a platform to so many people that just want to start one day and then they upload it the next and upload it within five minutes and then that could like change their life. Yeah, a hundred percent. Sometimes I think about the fact that currently if you were to start a TikTok from scratch and let's say like a YouTube channel from scratch and you were to start uploading one post per day on TikTok and on your YouTube as a short every day for a few weeks, you would genuinely be reaching thousands and thousands of people within a couple of months time. And this isn't even saying that you've gone viral or you've really hit the right mix of your content quality and your audience. Even if you've not quite nailed it yet, you will still be reaching thousands of people simply because of how both platforms work and how the algorithms work. Imagine going back in time 20 years and saying to someone, if you want, you can get in front of a few thousand people every single week completely for free. It's completely up to you. It's there. The opportunity is there. You can walk away from it or you can seize it if you want. Imagine saying that to people. It would have absolutely blown their minds. Like imagine saying that to marketers being like, by the way, in the future, you'll be able to reach all these people like free of charge. (laughs) These millions of pounds that you're spending on TV ads in a few years, like you'll be able to reach just as many people through some content. So I feel like when you put it in context like that, especially when you're speaking to people who really want to do this, like the passion is really there. And I just think it's such an amazing opportunity. And it's almost too good to just leave on the table if it's something that you're really passionate about. Yep, I couldn't agree more. And like you said, you don't have to go viral to get in front of 1000s of people. So what would you say to someone who's like, oh, like none of my videos are doing well? Like they're all getting, maybe they got like 50,000 views in the beginning and now they're getting a thousand. Mm. What do you say when someone's plateauing or when they're not doing as well? How do they increase it? Or should that be the goal to continue to grow? Like what would you tell someone that feels that way? 
Yeah. The first thing I'd ask them is like, why do you want to grow? Because I think a lot of the time we are accustomed to believing that growth is the goal, like all the time. We're like, yeah, well, this is why I'm doing it because I'm trying to grow my audience. But actually, if we stop for a second and think about like, what's the true end goal here? Like beyond the growth and the metrics, what are we really trying to do? We might realize that we actually don't need to grow at all. And I had like a similar situation with my own Instagram channel, where at the start of this year, I was looking at my strategy for the year. And I was like, I actually don't need to use this to grow because I have other platforms that are helping me reach new people. And actually, Instagram is better for me just connecting with my audience because I can send DMs and I can do stories. So sometimes it's taking a step back and being like, are we actually trying to grow hair? Or maybe the objective is like community building, or maybe it sells for their brand, in which case, it's okay if you're not reaching as many people because the metrics that we're using should be slightly different. So that would be like the first thing. And then if they're like, no, Jade, I want to grow. <laughs> That's what the goal is. With YouTube specifically, what I love about YouTube is they give you so many analytics. If you wanted to, you could get lost in there for a good few hours. And because of the amount of data YouTube give you, you can actually break down the different elements of your channel. And when you get really used to it, you can actually figure out what bits to tweak in order to unlock more growth or more reach. So for example, if someone came to me and they were like, I'm trying to grow, I currently am losing the amount of impressions. So anyone listening, impressions are the amount of time that someone sees your video. So if they're coming to me and their impressions are going down, then obviously we know, okay, the impressions are the things we need to focus on. If no one's seeing your video, no one's going to click and no one's going to grow as a result. So that's what we would focus on first. But maybe their impressions are fine and they're stagnant. But then they're coming to me and saying, okay, but look at my analytics. My click-through rate is really low. So the amount of people who are clicking on my videos. And then we know, well, okay, well, that's what's disrupting this whole process for you because you can get as many impressions as you want. But if no one's clicking, that's the problem. And that's where we want to look at like the thumbnails and the titles, for example. Or they might come to me and say, I don't know what's wrong. I can do a bit of digging and be like, well, it's because your retention's not great. So yeah, you're getting the impressions. You know, people are clicking on your videos because your thumbnails are great, but then they're dropping off after a few seconds. So that's why YouTube's not recommending your content. And there aren't really any social media platforms other than YouTube, which actually show you that amount of data that you can do that digging and like see what's wrong. And it's not mm -hmm. like it's just an easy thing like now you know what's wrong and now you can just click your fingers and it's fine but it gives you a clear idea of what you now need to focus on in order to like turn things around you know mm, yeah so let's talk about like impressions for example mm. I feel like that is the case for a lot of people today it's the algorithms people always like to hate the algorithm whereas I'm always like okay yes the algorithm changes and I get frustrated at Instagram when mm. it's not pushing my stuff or whatever. But I also think there's a reason why it's not just like mm. randomly targeting me and being like, mm, you, no more impressions. Yeah. It's <laughs> definitely just like something that I'm not like feeding into, I guess. So mm. for impressions, what would you say for someone to increase their impressions, whether that is on YouTube or Instagram or TikTok? And mm. feel free to talk about each platform specifically, but what's the biggest thing that you've seen works when it comes to increasing that? People yeah, I love that question. So if we start with YouTube, there's two things to focus on. So if your impressions are going down, or you just need to give them a boost, one is your search engine optimization, your SEO, which sounds a lot more complicated than it actually is. It's basically super important for any YouTube channels who create content that people search for quite often. So like my channel is a good example. A lot of the time people find me because they have a problem. 
So they go to YouTube to type in the problem. So I therefore need to make sure that whatever they've typed into YouTube, which we're going to call a keyword, I've put that into my video makeup as much as I can. So it's in my title. I've said it a lot in my video. It's in my descriptions because all of that information and those things that I'm doing is telling YouTube what my content is about so that hopefully if someone needs help with whatever it is I'm tackling in that video, my video will appear when they search for it. Mm. So there's that. And then the other thing, and this is probably the most powerful thing, but can be hard to get right is using a trending topic on YouTube. So like a quick thing that I like to do, or to be fair, I haven't done it in a while, but I used to do it a lot when I was just growing. And I actually think this method is how I landed on one video that really started to grow my account for me. And it was just going into YouTube and searching for videos similar niche to mine and looking at any videos that have been uploaded within the past year, let's say, and looking for videos that had significantly more views than the amount of subscribers the creator has. Because when you do that, it's a very good sign. I'm not saying it's like a surefire method. There are no surefire methods in social media, but it's a great sign that that topic is being highly searched for and actually might be trending. So just kind of keeping your finger on the pulse and being aware of what people are searching for and what's trending in relation to your niche or to your audience on YouTube is a really great way to get those impressions up. With TikTok, TikTok's quite a fun one. This is, there's a strategy that's like, it's very niche, but it works really well. Because on TikTok, how the algorithm works is it pushes your content out to people who are close to you. It's like one of the few social media platforms that are location specific. So you'll notice on your TikTok analytics, like majority of your followers are actually from like where you live, which mm -hmm. for me is not the case like anywhere else. So if I post something, um, the first amount of people who are going to see it are probably going to be people who live in London and maybe the UK. So that gives us a really cool opportunity to create something that's like very like regional and very specific to your area, because it normally means that people who see it respond better to it. So it's the equivalent of me uploading a TikTok where let's say, so my niche content creation, I upload a TikTok where I'm at a really popular like Instagram spot in London and the video I'm saying like, you know, I'm trying to get a shot and people in the background and the video is about the fact that like I can't get a good shot, right? If I did that in a London spot, it's going to land significantly better than if I just did a generic TikTok, like a generic mm -hmm. one where you don't notice the location. Those first batch of people who are going to see it, who all live in London, they'll might, they might like it, but they're going to really respond to the other one because they're going to be like, oh my God, yeah, totally relatable. I was there last weekend, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like a really niche strategy, but I've seen it work super, super well for people. Do you tag the location as well? Like, do yeah, you say, okay. yeah, tag the okay. location as well, because that definitely helps. So yeah, do you do I that don't... with all of your videos, even if it doesn't talk about London? Like, do you always tag London? No, I don't always tag London. I usually only do it if it's like specific to London. And I will say like with my channel, it's a bit different because even though 50% are like UK, a lot of my audience on TikTok came from like my existing audience and a lot of my existing audience are in the US. So my TikTok algorithm is like a little bit complicated. <laughs> Doesn't yeah. quite work the way that others do, I think. <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed though that TikTok is also like a search engine for people? Mm. And like, do you post a keywords in your caption or in your text on screen is that a strategy that you use as well 
Yeah, it is. And there was a time, I think it was towards the end of last year, where a stat came out that basically said that Gen Z use TikTok more than they use Google as a search engine. And I was like absolutely blown away by that. So yeah, exactly. Like implementing keywords in your captions that people often sleep on on TikTok because people don't read long captions, but they're such a great area for you to feed information to TikTok to tell the platform what it's about. I think the great thing about TikTok that's different than the other platforms is a few different things, but it's not the kind of platform where if you start sharing content about one thing, it wants to pigeonhole you. Whereas on Instagram and YouTube, they want to pigeonhole you. They're like, okay, well, now you talk about fashion and you're not going to talk about anything else. That's it. (laughs) Whereas TikTok's like, we don't care. Talk about what you want. We're going to treat each post individually. Just share what you want. So Mm -hmm. if you're someone who doesn't like to niche down, like TikTok is a great platform for that. You could definitely grow on others as well. But I feel like TikTok, you won't be penalized the same way because on the other hand, on Instagram, and if you're trying to get like more impressions and more plays and views on your reels and stuff on Instagram. Instagram has turned into a platform that almost only cares about relevancy. And I think a lot of people don't quite realize that anymore because it's so different to how it used to work. Before it was just based on what's popular. So if you had a post and it was blowing up, then you'd probably get on the explore page. And that was just kind of it. Whereas now so much more complex because there's so many creators and a lot of content is shared. The algorithm has developed over the years. And now it's in a place where it's like, it needs to be popular, but more than anything, Instagram just wants to pair content with the right person. Like Mm -hmm. it just wants to know what your post is about so that it knows who to share your post to. And if it doesn't, it's probably not going to share your content because it doesn't want to share the wrong post to someone. If you think about like all the PR issues that Instagram have had over the past year and a bit where suggested posts came in and everyone was like, I don't want to see this. This is rubbish. It was because we were being shown stuff that was just wrong for us. We were like, we're not interested in this. So it's super important to Instagram to get that right. So the more info you can give Instagram about what your content is about in your captions, in what you're saying, even the actual video and post itself, like Instagram will look at what that is. The more of that you can do and the more consistent you are with that, the more likely Instagram is to understand who your audience is and therefore push it out to the right people. Yeah, that's so interesting because I feel like my Instagram content and my TikTok content are very different sometimes. Like Mm. on TikTok, I love doing vlogs and like talking videos and Instagram, I feel like cares more about the aesthetic of it or like the trending sound or Mm -hmm. something that's like visual, but then has like text on screen where Mm -hmm. that's like Mm -hmm. the meat of the information and that's just not something I enjoy posting so I have such a hard time with reels but would you say that there is still space on Instagram for those like talking chit chat videos or do you think you kind of have to feed into that like short visual content like not even waste your time posting longer form content on reels yeah yeah it's a good question i think there's room for both but if i'm being honest if you were to have a strategy that was like exclusively the longer chit chat videos it would be quite challenging at the moment to see growth with it so you could have it there as like I always like to think of like your audience of being on two different levels. There's like surface level people who sometimes like your content. And then there's the ones who like absolutely like advocates of your content. And a lot of the time for you to get your surface level people down to that level, sharing content like that is what gets them there. So like Mm. the vlogs that you share and like the get ready with me's and, and the talking head stuff, it might not help you blow up 
and like grow, but it probably will really help you engage your community and like get them to a stage where they really know you and, you know, they join the rest of your advocates that you already have. So that's why I think it could be part of your strategy, but not the only thing. And I think a lot of the time when it comes to things like that, if you identify the type of content that is going to really help you with your engagement, for example, but you know it's not going to help you grow, it's just important to remember what the role of that piece of content is because we do that and then we post it and we're like, well, it's not getting a lot of views, so I've got to get rid of it. But that wasn't the point. <laughs> that so wasn't true. what it was supposed to do, you know? And sometimes those videos for me, like if I'm doing a talking video and it is just you know, chit chat and getting to know me a little bit more. If it doesn't do well, I will get a little bummed, but then I'll look at the comments and I'm like, wait, this Mm. has so many more comments though. And people are engaged and that makes me really happy. And then if I ever meet someone in person or I get like DMs from people, they're so much more personal. Mm -hmm. They, I feel like they really know me. And I think I realized that it's a constant reminder because when the numbers don't match, then you're like, what the heck? (laughs) But I've realized that even back in the day when it was kind of like YouTubers versus bloggers, I feel like that was a big Mm -hmm. thing where not like against each other, but you know, there was people (laughs) that were like just bloggers and there's people that were YouTubers. And I would always notice YouTubers had such high engagement and they might not have had as many impressions, but Mm. they had such high engagement and comments. And like if they had a meetup, people would show up and Mm -hmm. they would like do better with sponsorships and everything like that because people actually knew them and they trusted Mm -hmm. them because they were on video and they would show their personality versus bloggers. When you're just posting photos on a website, it's a lot harder for people to feel like they know you. And so I think once like Instagram stories were introduced, that helped a ton because then people could talk and like show their day to day. Now that video is the big thing, I think more and more people are starting to realize that like they need to show their personality more and they need to be their self like we were talking about earlier to Mm. get that engaged audience. So I love what you said about you have to think about like, what is this piece of content doing? Not every piece of content is meant for growth. Like Mm -hmm. some content is just meant to engage your community that you already have and have them be closer to you. Yeah, 100%. And do you know what this makes me think of? Did you see some of the TikToks from VidCon, I want to say 2022, where basically they'd switched the sponsorship. So it was like a TikTok one. So they had TikTokers having like their own booths versus the YouTubers who they normally have. And a lot of the TikTokers who had millions of people in their audience actually really struggled to get people to come to their Mm -hmm. booths. And then if you compare that to a YouTuber who has millions of people in their audience, and they would literally get like chased like they had to have security it was a whole different scenario and that's not to say that there's anything wrong with picking one over the other but I do think it's important for us to be aware that they are very different channels and they do foster like a whole different level of engagement like you can't even compare them (laughs) you just have to be intentional like you have to be intentional for building an audience and like Mm -hmm. connecting with them and I think going back to even like the YouTube analytics, like with click through rate, for example, like on YouTube, someone has to intentionally click on your video to watch it versus TikTok. It's a lot easier to get a ton of views because TikTok is feeding it to you. So if someone just like stumbles across my video and then scrolls away, that's fine. And I always say with TikTok, even though YouTube, I've noticed at least a decline in impressions and numbers just in general, because I do think people are watching Instagram and TikTok more. But Mm -hmm. YouTube, I still encourage it because I think it's a great place to build community. It's a great place to build an audience. And I think with TikTok, if 
TikTok stops feeding your videos to people and you're no longer on the For You page, mm-hmm. it is really hard to get someone to be like, oh, I haven't seen a video from this person. Yeah. Let me search them. No one does that because no. we are being fed so much content. We don't have to think about the content we're consuming. Mm-hmm. We're just like, give it to me. Like, okay, keep, keep feeding me yeah. this content. I trust that the algorithm will, you know, feed me my favorite creators. But if mm-hmm. it doesn't, I'm going to forget about them because mm-hmm. I'm not like seeing them all the time. Versus if I subscribe to them on YouTube, when I go to my YouTube homepage, I'm like, wait, I haven't seen a video from Jade in a while. Like, let me mm-hmm. search her name. Or if I see your mm-hmm. thumbnail, I'm like, oh, gosh, like I haven't seen her in a while. And I personally still think that TikTok is a great place to grow, like grow on there. Mm-hmm. But don't have that be like the only thing you do because mm-hmm. the algorithm stops promoting you. It's that kind of like sucks like (laughs) yeah yeah no you're so right yeah Yeah. you're so right and there's like a thing about you know if you ask someone to name like 20 people that they follow on TikTok and then ask them to name 20 people they subscribe to on YouTube and then see which they can do because TikTok feeds your content so often and even where they put like your usernames and stuff there is all in an area where it's actually very difficult to consume and retain someone's name like my favorite creators on TikTok who you know when they pop up I really enjoy seeing them and but as you said I don't notice when I don't and I don't seek them out even if I wanted to seek them out I don't think I'd remember their names <laughs> I'm actually ridiculous <laughs> I'm thinking about that now and I'm like thinking about people that I think are funny or that I enjoy watching could not tell mm-hmm. you their names no. I could never search them I just know that it feeds them to me so I'm like oh there you are again <laughs> yeah isn't that like wild to think which is why you'll see some tiktokers especially the ones who are being really tactical they will have their hook and then they'll intro themselves and then they'll carry on talking or they'll carry on with their video because they're trying to get you to remember their name which is clever but yeah Mm, that's I didn't even think about that that's so smart I do that a lot in my vlogs I'll be like okay this is the day in my life as like a 27 year old founder I'm Natalie Mm -hmm. moving on you know and so I'll try to do that too And what is the worst advice that you've seen people say about social media? Because I know that you've seen probably so many people throw (laughs) out like, you have to post at this time for this many seconds and whatever. But like, what's like the worst piece of advice you've heard? Oh, that's such a good one. Let me have a think. I think the worst piece of advice, and this is the one that came to mind because someone told me that someone told them to do this very recently, is to, if you're not seeing immediate success with your channel, this was specifically TikTok, then you need to delete it and start a new one and like keep on doing it until you like hit the algorithm. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> if you're not seeing success straight away, then like we want to work on the content. We want to tweak the content a bit. Sharing the I- same thing on a new channel is not going to do anything. <laughs> I've heard that before and I'm always like, no, like do not. I've even heard people say that like they'll have like 20,000 followers, but now they're just like not growing anymore. It's like they've plateaued Mm. and they're like, should I just start a new one from scratch? I'm like, no, no, do not do that. It is not like your band or anything like that. That is not, it's so much harder to start from zero than it is to start with at least an existing audience, even if it is smaller right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. But there is a lot of, I wish I could think of others, but I do see a lot, mostly on TikTok, I had to really retrain my algorithm because I was seeing a lot of 
I actually don't consume like a lot of like educational content on my social media anyway, because I guess if that's all you talk about, I'm just tired at the end of the day. And I kind of just want to watch something about like Rihanna or something. Um, so I have to like train my algorithm to not share stuff with me. But when I had my algorithm set up where I was seeing a lot of that stuff, there's a lot of misinformation being spread, which is such a shame because it is like a very unregulated like industry and world because it's so new. So, I mean, I feel like it will be like this for a while before there's kind of any rules put in place, which will mm. actually stop the, the misinformation being spread. But it's just the way it is, I suppose. I guess most new industries kind of have something similar. Yeah. Speaking of like new industries, have you been using AI for your workflow at all or anything like that? Or like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So... AI, as a whole, AI absolutely petrifies me, but this is like from a broader perspective on what it may do to the human race. <laughs> so that scares Agreed. me. Agreed. <laughs> um, but on like a work level, I do use AI to speed up things. That's like my rule. I will use it to speed something up, like a process up, but I won't use it as like the sole source for an idea or anything like that. So, and to be honest, it's more, I have a marketing coordinator, she's called Hayley, she's amazing. It's more me encouraging Hayley to use it because she does a lot of copywriting. So we got her to the point where she can feed in certain prompts to ChatGPT, for example, train ChatGPT to speak in a good similar tone of voice. And then she'll take that draft and like tweak it so that it's accurate and ready to go. So she'll use it to like speed the writing process up. But the idea of what we're writing about and like, the final draft still has to come from us. And yeah, I mean, it does. I mean, it scares me on a broader sense. It does also scare me on like a smaller business sense as well. It just genuinely scares me. But I really don't believe that it can replace people. I think we have to start to adapt it because I think honestly, if we don't, then other people will probably move a bit further ahead of us because they'll be so much quicker than we are. But I do think that we are putting ourselves in a sticky situation if we start to rely on it so heavily that we're not even coming up with our own ideas anymore. You know, what about you? Yeah, no, I agree. I use it at Rella to maybe like tweak some pieces of writing mm. or some copy or, you know, things like that. But mm -hmm. I don't use it that frequently. And it does scare me also. Like it's just the idea of it is really scary. But I agree. I, I don't think it's going to replace people entirely, especially creators. Mm. I think a lot of people are like, there's AI creators where they're like animated and they're not real mm. humans, <laughs> but they look real. Some of them look real, which is like yeah. very scary. These AI animations that I'm like, that looks like a real person's Instagram account. Mm -hmm. But I think still there's going to need to be some disclosure that that's not a real human. And like, we're humans at the end of the day. We crave mm. human connection. Mm -hmm. So I cannot ever see AI completely like squashing even creators that are creating on the internet. Like there's always going to be a need for that like human connection. Like, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, there's an AI Instagram account, but it's like a fake person and you know yeah. that. So like yeah. I'm not going to be jealous of a fake person. I don't know. Like I don't think it's going to be replacing creators. I think it could replace some smaller jobs like some mm -hmm. you know contract work or, and mm -hmm. that's making me sad because like okay now we might not need someone to write blog posts for us because like yeah AI you know and so that kind of sucks for a lot of industries but I agree we need to adopt it to be quicker but it really does scare me also yeah do you ever worry and I think this is I don't want to add to the fear 
but this is something that I think sometimes. Do you ever worry that maybe we feel this way where we're like, it's never going to replace like actual humans or human connection because we're of a generation where it's not fully like in its fruition yet. So we can't really grasp it. So if you think about people who are in an older generation to us and how they felt about like, like online banking yeah. <laughs> and they were like I will not use online banking or even putting their money in a bank even things like that because people would literally be like I can't grasp the idea of my money being electronic and that being safe and they obviously really believe that because that's what they grew up with so sometimes I worry that we have this approach and thought process because of how we've grown up and actually younger generations like what's the youngest gen alpha I think they'll grow up and be like well of course we have AI and robots and like no one has jobs anymore because it's all AI running it, you know? I definitely think that too. And it makes it clear to me sometimes with like credit cards, for example, like Mm -hmm. we don't bat an eye at credit cards. When credit cards came out, I'm sure that was crazy being like a plastic card is gonna, I'm gonna start charging things on this. Now, for example, Apple Pay, I use Apple Pay all the time. I never take my credit card out. It's like if a place doesn't have Apple Pay, I'm like, what? Yes, In (laughs) London, you know, you could tap your phone to take the tube. Yeah. So easy. In Paris, I went to Paris right after I went to London. You can't do that. And I was like, what? I was like, I have to buy a physical ticket? Like, this is crazy. (laughs) Oh my God, do you still have to buy physical tickets in Paris, like on the underground? Yes. That is so weird. (laughs) I I can't imagine that. Even in New York City, you just tap your phone and that's all mm-hmm. you do. But in Paris, I went and I was like tapping and like nothing was happening. And I was like, oh, I'm like seeing everyone with physical tickets. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so it's like for me, I use Apple Pay. My parents do not use Apple Pay. They're like, what? Mm. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's so much better. So I totally agree that I do think it's something that the next generation is just going to grow up with. And like, you know, it's going to be normal. But mm. I really hope that it doesn't replace human connection like that's why like the metaverse scares me and like all so I hope that it doesn't but Mm -hmm. we'll see (laughs) we will see I like one of my nieces she is maybe like 15 and uh, she was on her phone and I was like what are you doing and she was like oh my after school job and I was like huh (laughs) she was like on her phone and she was like yeah I sell ice cream in like is it roblox or something that's like a whole nother world and she like earns money from it in the game and like uses the money to buy virtual things and that's like her job her after she calls that like her after school job so she sells ice cream in this virtual world for like two hours after school and then spends the virtual money on virtual things yeah it really scared me I was like you're doing what I can't believe that that's like considered a job yeah. Like she calls it and her she was job. Like, yeah. She found it so funny, like, that I couldn't understand, you know? Wow. And I was like, in my day, we had Game Boys and they all laughed at me because they're like, a Game Boy? I was like, oh my God, when did I get this age where this is like a thing <laughs> that everyone's yeah. like, ah, you're so out of touch. <laughs> that actually yeah. is crazy about the Roblox thing. I need to look into that because I've heard of Roblox, <laughs> but I have no idea what it is, really. Yeah. I mean, even when she explained it to me, I was like, this is going way over my head. I'm like struggling to grasp. And again, made me think of like all the times where I try to explain something to my mom and she's been like, what are you talking about? And it's the same thing. We'll have a conversation five years from now and we'll listen to this and be like, what's changed? (laughs) Yeah. No, we should definitely do that. (laughs) That'd be funny. Oh gosh. Yeah. Maybe we are old. Circling back to that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I feel like this whole episode has been like... Oh, me and Natalie old a debate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so 
Seriously. Well, our <laughs> listeners are all around the same age, so they're in mm. it together with us. So Yeah. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jade, for coming on my podcast. This was incredible. Such a good conversation. Where can they find you? Like, I'll link all of your social media accounts. Yeah, for sure. So it's Jade Beeson. Last name is with an S, so it's B-E-A-S-O-N because everyone gets that part wrong. So yeah, Jade Beeson on Instagram, on TikTok, on YouTube and jadebeeson.com. I'm everywhere. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation and we'll have the follow-up in a few years and look back. For sure. For sure. I can't wait. I'll put it in my calendar right now. Amazing. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room Podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the Mom Room Podcast podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood. Hey, my name is Lovan Roomf and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here. And vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then. <laughs>